If you're hustling in the trenches to build a business or bootstrapping one of your own, let's talk about an AI-powered tool that can lighten up your workload. HubSpot's Campaign Assistant is a game changer for creating marketing campaigns at scale. It quickly turns your key selling points into a cohesive pitch, which helps you deliver knockout emails, ads, and landing pages in minutes. Just choose your content type, input a few key points, pick a tone like friendly or witty, and let the AI robots handle the rest. You can copy and paste the content to whatever channel you'd like, or even convert it directly into publishable campaigns without leaving your HubSpot interface. So let Campaign Assistant take care of the campaigns so you can get back to growing your business. Work smarter, not harder at HubSpot.com slash campaign dash assistant. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey friends, hey, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here and I am back with an awesome new episode. Today's guest is Kimberly Brown. Kimberly is a career and leadership expert whose mission is to help women and people of color navigate the workplace, make more money, and become industry leaders. Her leadership development company, Manifest Yourself LLC, provides organizations with tailor-made solutions to engage, develop, and advance women and people of color. Through her experience as a career development advisor in some of the nation's top universities and her experience as a diversity and inclusion professional in a Fortune 100 company, Kimberly has learned that there is so much more to career and leadership development besides having a high-paying job. It's about creating actionable strategies that enable professionals to do more, be more, and achieve more. Her best-selling book, Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love, was released in June 2021. She's also the host of the Your Next Move podcast. In today's episode, Kimberly and I will chat side hustling in the workplace and cultivating the steps you need to cultivate to make sure that you are creating the career and life you love. So let's get right into it. Well, welcome, welcome, Kimberly, to the guest chair. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I am wildly excited. <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> um, so fun fact, I didn't mention this in the pre-show, but of course we have to shout out the fact that we met in person at the My Taught You Retreat back in 2019, Accelerated oh Collisions, hashtag. Um, yes, and indeed. I have been following your moves since then and just so proud of you. So first of all, congratulations on all you've done. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm excited to learn what went into that. So I understand that you have been side hustling way before you ever wrote this book, launched this book, launched your business. So tell me, when did you first start side hustling specifically around this space of career and leadership development? Got it. So it took me a second to get to career and leadership development. I started back in the day blogging, like old school blogging, which I feel like we don't hear about. Yeah. And I actually used to blog about health and wellness. Really? Um, I was on, yes, I was on, I was always on a weight loss journey. I was always trying new classes. I was always doing all the things. I used to work with brands um, and sample their products or try their workout classes. That was my thing for a while. But at the same time, I was building my career Mm -hmm. in career and leadership development. And I had been working at universities doing career services. So my thing, I always joke and say, I've worked with folks who are age 18 who don't know what to do with their lives (laughs) all the way through like their 50s and 60s who just finally want to do something that brings them joy. Mm -hmm. And I felt this dissonance. I was like, it is too much to have like this fitness brand and to be building my career and speaking at conferences. How can I bring it together? And that's how Manifest Yourself was formed. And I think that was probably in, oh Lord, that was like maybe 2011, I want to say, 2012 or so. I think Manifest Yourself came around. Um, There are some other names that were out there. What was the shape of Manifest Yourself at that point? So back then it was still blogging. I used to publish like five to seven posts a week. I was speaking at conferences in my industry. 
And so speaking has always been a part of the work that I was doing. And slowly but surely, folks started to ask for me to coach and train individuals. And I moved from individuals to groups. And now it's a completely different beast that I didn't really imagine. That's a culmination of like all of my corporate experience Mm -hmm. and the things that I just love and enjoy. Interesting. Well, first of all, I'm stuck by you writing what did you say? Five to seven articles? Here, I thought I was doing something with my one article a week. <laughs> back when I used to blog. This was back in the day, though. That, <laughs> I am impressed. That is really like you were working hard and you were balancing your full time nine to five, right? Oh, yeah. It was nuts. It was one of those like when people say like, oh, can you get up at five when you work on your business? You work on your business from like five to seven. Then you get ready for it. That's exactly what I did every single day. I actually had an accountability partner um, probably for almost two years. We used to get up every single morning and we'd be on video, mind you, what? at like 6 a.m. setting our goals for the week when we both had our corporate jobs. And it kept me highly accountable. I am highly so accountable. impressed. You were Zooming before there was a Zoom. That is amazing. I don't remember what it was. Was it Zoom? Was it like Skype? Maybe? Google something? Google I don't know something? what it was. Okay. It was Skype. It had That's, to have been Skype. Yes. It had to be Skype. That is awesome. So now you transitioned into also trying to, you're trying to climb the corporate ladder. You have this business on the side. What was your vision? So... I feel like I kept my business vision and my career vision very separate for a long time, even though the work that I did was very similar and it was aligned. I just had a lot of rules on who I'd work with just to make sure, you know, conflict of interest. Like when you work for, I've worked for really big global companies. And when you do that, their legal affairs will come and get you. So I had very strong, (laughs) yes, I had very strong rules and regulations on who I can work with, Mm -hmm. why I couldn't, all the things. But there was a lot of alignment there. And I think it got to the point where I always said that I would never stop my business for a corporation. Mm -hmm. So I literally prayed this prayer. I'll never pray no mess like this again because it was terrible. But I said, like, God, I will make the decision when I can no longer do both. And that is exactly what happened. I was so stressed and so tired and so overworked. I had to make a decision. And I think that is when I truly had the vision for where I wanted my company to go. Mm-hmm. I think originally it was very coaching focused, yeah. but now so much of my work is a lot of speaking, which a lot of people don't see on the internet. I think people will ask like, oh, you're just on Instagram and you have fun. I was like, yeah, no, I work for a lot of like Fortune 100, Fortune 500 mm-hmm. companies, developing leadership development curriculums, doing diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, consulting. Yeah. That's where really my bread and butter is. So now I think the vision for my company is really documenting these processes yes. and building out curriculums for women and people of color that help them not make the mistakes that keep them in some of the lower levels of the companies and get them into at least mid-level, if not senior management in time. Okay. I know what that's like when you're doing something, you're not always chronicling it and people might not realize just how much time you spend in your business doing that. So it's a reminder to all of us that, no, we have to show, we have to show what we want people to know at the end of the day, especially if you want people to come to you for that service or that speaking gig. Before we get into this entrepreneurship life, I want to touch base on the fact that you weren't necessarily looking to leave corporate America. I know you emphasize that you are not into how people demonize, you know, and having a nine to five and all that. You really enjoy doing both. And you said, hey, I will do it as long as I can. (laughs) And I listened to your podcast where you talked about wrestling with how can I encourage people to grow in corporate America? But I left. So how did you reconcile those two? points of view. Yeah, it definitely was tough. I felt like, am I a traitor? Can I still help nine to fivers? <laughs> if I'm not a nine no, to five, right? I yes. <laughs> it took me a second to realize that my whole career, like once I understood what I was doing, my whole career is really about helping people navigate the world of work. That is my skill. Yeah. In the same way that someone can code or someone could do graphic design or whatever else, and they can use that in every other facet, that is my skill. Yep. And I'm deeply connected to that work. And whether or not I have a nine to five or not, I am still working with nine to fivers at all times, mm-hmm. using their stories, working with them in organizations or individually or in groups. So I'm still deeply connected and always learning about best practices to make sure that I'm up to date. And I think once I really sat and I reconciled, like, this is like me coding. Mm -hmm. This is just my skill. Mm -hmm. This is me understanding how to do these things. It is a-okay. But it definitely, when I first left, I 
grapple with my identity for like a minute. <laughs> I was like, who am I? <laughs> Without saying the I'm truth? the blah, blah, blah here. Yeah. But yes. The identity shift is real when you leave your job. The identity shift is so real. And it is your gift. It is your talent, what you're doing now. And it just so happens that you can't do both in order to impact the lives that you need to impact. Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking this last night, actually, when I think about nine to five, it's not like I'm against it. And Matter of fact, I started working in nine to five at 16. Like that was my first internship. So I've been seeing things, right? And I have opinions about things and how people get into senior leadership just because of years spent versus Mm -hmm. readiness to be managers Mm -hmm. and how that whole pipeline needs to shift. And so for you being able to say, hey, I'm seeing these patterns. I recognize that I was able to navigate it, but not everyone is. Let me just... Stop what I'm doing and just focus on this problem that needs to be fixed because corporate isn't doing it. And so in order to do that work, I recognize that you can no longer actually stay, stay in the matrix, so to speak. Yes. Oh, that is so amazing. And I think when I think about my careers, as much as I had a talent in building out strategy or talent acquisition mm-hmm. or the actual fundamentals of career coaching, what I loved most was developing people. Yes. I used to joke and say, If I could just manage the people, but not manage the work, that would be the best job ever. But that's obviously not a job. That's crazy because I would Um, want the opposite. (laughs) I would want the opposite. I hated the people part. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. I don't want to work on your growth plan. I don't want to manage you. I do not want to talk about your five-year plan. That's the thing about managers. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I think we all have like our side, but that's the part that gets me excited, which is what I get to do now every single day, whether I'm doing a keynote, a workshop, whether I'm coaching, consulting, Mm -hmm. it's all about making sure people know how to navigate and do all that coaching that I was able to do when I had teams. Okay. So for people listening to this podcast, I know that some of you guys listening, you wrestle with, yes, you have business ideas and side hustles that you do. You like doing them as side hustles and that's great. You can keep them as side hustles, but you also want to thrive where you are and make sure you're not being taken advantage of, that you're not settling and you know, you're still growing in your career. So what advice would you give to our listeners who are in that place right now? Exactly where I was. I think... The biggest thing is to make sure you have a vision for both. What does the ideal state look like? And take the time to reverse engineer it. Mm -hmm. In my book, I feel like every time I do an interview, I talk about career strategy. And I think I talk about all the time because most folks don't have it. Most folks just think about, all right, well, I want this job. I want this money. That is it. How can I get it? But they will reverse engineer every other goal they have in their life. And they wonder why their career doesn't move or their business doesn't move. You have to reverse engineer by understanding what is the ideal state and literally deciding what are the actions, what are the milestones, what are the gaps, what are the opportunities that you have in order to bridge it. So I tell them to make sure you really have a clear understanding of where you want to go, what it needs to look like. I think if as a side hustler, it is beautiful. I loved it absolutely loved it, but it got to a point where it's like, okay, I literally have to stop Mm -hmm. and put a cap on how much work I can do because I won't be able to maintain both. And I think that happens when your business starts to get successful or I'd have to cap the type of work that I did. When I talked to business coaches back in the day, it was funny when I was working full-time and I had business coaches, I would be able to be in programs where my revenue didn't necessarily hit the numbers, but I was making more sometimes than full-time entrepreneurs were because I was just crazy. I was hustling. I was doing way too much. It was always this interesting juxtaposition because they'd always tell me like, Kimberly, you have a real job. Okay, you have a real job. Like my last job, I was a global director, mm-hmm. which means you work global time zones. I had a huge team. Like it was a thing. It's like you don't have the bandwidth. I wasn't working in a job where that didn't that gave me a lot of freedom. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it really even I took vacation, but my phone was definitely there with the email on it. I think there's different types of jobs you can have. Sometimes you can side hustle and you can have a job that isn't as stressful. So it gives you more capacity for your business. Right. Sometimes if your job is super stressful, you have less capacity for your business. So I think that has to be a part of your vision too. How much time do you want to dedicate on both sides? And we didn't even talk about adding in family, relationships, friends. We didn't talk about any of that. We're just talking about two. I like that word that you use, capacity, because that's it right there. I used to joke with my friends, especially coming out of business school, like a lot of them going to consulting. And I would say, yes, anyone can side hustle, but, you know, y'all management consultants, not you. (laughs) If you're trying to do these two things, it's not 
necessarily going to work. And you just have to be real with that. You'll have way less capacity. So would you advise people if they really want to grow their side hustle a bit more to first look at adjusting the kind of role they have so that they'll have the capacity for doing more? Oh, that's a tough question. No one's ever asked me that. I'm on the fence, mm-hmm. right? I think number one, you need to look at your financial situation because sometimes doing less means less money and yes. I want to make sure you can always pay your bills. Of course. So I think that's really what we need to start thinking about. Like, what is your life goal? Mm-hmm. So for me, I wanted to at minimum try being a full-time entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I knew that was what I wanted. So if you know that as a goal, but you know you're not necessarily ready yet financially, that it may be okay to make that switch. Or it's thinking about setting better boundaries. Many times when I talk to folks, it's like, what are the boundaries that you have or don't have in your nine to five? And I think you can get a lot more time back (laughs) by managing your time differently. I actually started taking lunch breaks when things got crazy. Mm. And I would work on my business during the lunch break. I stopped coming in like radically early and I use that time. So sometimes I think there's some hacks you could do with your scheduling before we think about most likely making you make less money or going into something differently. But the world of work right now is changing so fast. I think COVID changed so many different things. There's a lot of flexibility Mm -hmm. in remote work, hybrid work. There's a lot of flexibility that people can consider now that may allow them to still make good money and grow their side hustle until they decide what works for them. That's so true. And I like that you mentioned reevaluating your life goal, because you're right. If you don't have a goal or see yourself going to the C-suite at that company, um, if you're killing yourself to get there early, never take a lunch break because you're trying to show and prove, you have to assess, well, why am I doing this? Like, am I just doing this because I like gold stickers on the chart and I, you know, I like the praise? Or (laughs) do I really see myself you know, going up the ladder here. And if not, readjust. And we're not saying to start slacking. Not coming Mm -hmm. in radically early is not slacking, right? Taking a lunch break is self-care. It's not slacking. It's doing something that you love, which is working on that side hustle. And yes, you know, I'm not working a nine to five in the era of this new um, flexible work pace. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how everyone is balancing it and how you, you know, you don't work too much on your business, right? Like (laughs) you don't get too flexible. I don't know how people are navigating that, but what are you seeing? There are folks out here in tech who have two full-time remote jobs. I do know that. What am I saying? I do know that. People are doing the absolute most. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to plead the fifth, but I may or may not know some folks doing that. (laughs) I most definitely do too. Uh So I'd say that Everyone's experience is completely different. I tell my folks at all times, when you're applying to any job, you need to have insider information. You Mm. need to actually understand what is happening at that company. What is the culture like? What's okay? For people to balance two full-time jobs, that means you are most likely an individual contributor. Yes. Meaning you're not managing a team. Your job is fairly task oriented. So it's like, I do this and I'm done. Mm -hmm. I do this and I'm done. That's easy to manage. And you most likely don't have a heavy meeting culture. Mm -hmm. But those are things you only know from getting insider information from your network, from mentors, from friends, from peers, et cetera, because you can't get yourself into, I know every culture I've worked Mm -hmm. in is a debt culture, a meeting culture, uh, not a nine to five culture, more of a, you know, when you start and when you end type of culture. (laughs) So I I would not be able to balance two. You said a debt culture, like deck. So everything has to be presented in like a PowerPoint deck. deck. Slide deck. Yes. And you spend hours building these decks. Oh my gosh. Oh, so, all right. So now let's jump back into you making the leap. What did you Mm -hmm. do to prepare for that? I know you are a person who would not make that leap lightly. So what did you do to prepare mentally and financially? So it's funny. I went to uh, an event, a business event in Atlanta, the January before I left. So it was January 2021. I left in May 2021. And I had a coach at that time and he was on stage and he told me that I didn't have the vision to see what I'd be able to do. He's like, you are doing so well by yourself, working this big job, you should not be hitting the numbers that you're hitting. How much capacity would you have to actually hit all your goals Mm -hmm. if you didn't have this whole other job? And I was crying at that point. He was talking about the vision that I had for myself and where it could actually go and making it much broader. And he made me sit back down and he made me write my letter of resignation. What? He's like, 
because we're going to do it and we're going to stick to it. Like I, I was literally like, <laughs> 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 right in the letter. I was like, not the coach telling you okay. to quit your job. No. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. And, yeah. But he knew my numbers. Yeah. He knew a lot about my business to know like, Kimberly, this is possible. Stop playing these daggone games. Yeah. So you could always say you want more money. Mm-hmm. You can always say you need more resources. You could always say you need another contract. Mm-hmm. But for me, I wanted my bonus to hit. Mm-hmm. My bonus gave me a certain amount of living expenses and I had one larger consulting contract that I wanted to land that I was really close to. And when I got those two things, I was like, okay, I have to do it. And I did it. And I will say I should have done it so much sooner because my book dropped in June, 2021. Mm -hmm. So I had only a few weeks before my book dropped. And in hindsight, I needed significantly more time Mm -hmm to be full-time to do the book launch the way I wanted to. The book still did really well. It's still like a bestseller consistently. It still sells. I get royalties the whole nine. So yes, it does well, but how much better would it have done if I wasn't like burning the candle Uh, at both ends? My last day, I remember I logged off at like five and then I hopped back on at like seven because I thought I forgot something. Folks were still emailing me. What? Like, I know today's your last day, but if you happen to see this, would you be able to? (laughs) Slam's laptop. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I was so double tapped. Like it was, yeah. it was too much. And with a book, I know you know there's so much that even with a great publisher that the author has to do right to market and really get the name out there. So yeah. I see what you mean in that regard. Um, but you just gotta you know threw that book in there, and that is a whole other. That's the third job, Kimberly. <laughs> How it is that I'm doing it about? again, which is nuts. Oh my gosh, I still think I'm moderately crazy. that come about like did you go through the whole like pitching and you know getting a publisher did you self-publish like what was your book process and you know how did it come to be so I traditionally published my book, Traditional Book Deal, The Whole Nine. My process was non-traditional because I got introduced to my publisher from someone else who was already an author with them. Okay. And they're like, oh my God, this works. This is amazing. Let's do it. So I didn't have to go through all of that. I actually didn't even write a full book proposal. Nice. I only had like a little bit. Now I'm going through that process again because I'm looking for a different publisher, The Whole Nine. Yeah. Um, so I'm going through like the very traditional process of like the bid and the auction mm-hmm. and all of that. But it's funny, in 2017, I had a speaking engagement at New Jersey Conference for Women that actually became the title for my book, but I didn't make the correlation until much later. And my first book is essentially what it would be like to have me as your career coach. It is all of the things I've learned being a career coach for over 10 years at this point and helping you develop your two-year career strategy to make your next move. And it was, I wrote the book, honestly, because people kept on asking. I do a lot of public speaking. Yes a lot, a lot of public speaking and keynoting. And it got to the point where folks were like, oh my gosh, like I have to buy your book. They just assumed I had a book. I was like, I only got one of those. I got this downloadable guide on my website. (laughs) Basically, I was like, well, people are asking. I should take this more seriously. And that's when I kind of like, okay, let me do this. And as a speaker, being one of my biggest revenue sources, having a book also significantly helps like increase your speaking rates, your positioning, all of those things. I'm like, all right, it's about time. And then do you bring the books too? So you're selling more because you just got off stage? A hundred percent. I do it off stage or sometimes what I love to do is I include it in the contract of when you hire me, okay. especially if you negotiate what my actual fee is. I'll be like, all right, well, I'll give you this rate, but I also need you to buy this many books. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart. Good to know. Keeping that in my, you know, mental notes. The Product Boss, hosted by Jacqueline Snyder and Mina Kunlo-Sisap, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Take your physical product sales and strategy to the next level to create your dream life with hosts Jacqueline Snyder and Mina Kunlo-Sisap as they deliver a workshop-style strategy hour of social media and marketing strategies so you can up-level as the boss of your business. So I have an episode for you guys to check out. It's called Save Money by eliminating excess packaging if you are someone who is getting ready to create a product and you are thinking of doing all this packaging you need to listen to this episode listen to the product boss wherever you get your podcasts so i always like to know and the audience does too when you left, what were your revenue streams at that point? You mentioned speaking, but what else mm-hmm. were you counting on to make sure that if one thing didn't pay out that month, that you would still be okay? 
It was public speaking and consulting. Okay. So the consulting for me is going into organizations and helping them build out plans and talent acquisition, specifically like diversity recruiting, learning and development curriculums for women and people of color in the workplace. I joke and say it's really that magic middle, like the folks who are doing all the work and doing all the things, but they're not quite senior managers, but they're also not super entry level. I build out curriculums in that area or like longer term diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging strategy. So I did consulting on that side and lots of speaking. Got it. How did you build out this business while having this global director role? I was crazy. Um, (laughs) That's number one. Um, But I will say that my speaking has been the funnel for almost every other facet of my business. Mm -hmm. The more I speak and I fine tune what audience I'm in front of, at this point, I know what audiences will make me money. So if I speak at certain conferences, whether it's paid or unpaid, it honestly doesn't matter to me for certain audiences. I know that I'm going to get the referrals. My business at this point at recording this podcast is still largely referral based. I would say like 99% referral based, Mm -hmm. but it's from me speaking and being in the right rooms. And I know where my clients are and where my buyers are. So if I speak in those rooms, they're most likely going to hire me for more speaking or consulting. Got it. And are you primarily looking at working in-house in a business setting or do you also do B2C? I do a little bit of B2C. Like, I feel like my B2C is something that I'm still working on. Yeah. I feel like Instagram makes me feel like I need to be like a coach out here yeah. and run a coaching program <laughs> and do all those slam, things. Slam app shut. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like yes. Instagram makes me feel like I need to yes. do that. I'm going to park that too because I want to come yeah. back to that as a business owner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Going into 2024, we got to get a handle on this and I do it too. So I'm going to park yes. that. Remind me. Right. Okay. So, yes. so yeah, you speak at conferences and you attract your mm-hmm. clients and so your ideal client is like someone who's working in what HR, who's going to pull you in? Sometimes I would say my ideal client, if I'm with like professional individuals. Mm-hmm. So if I speak at any professional conference, I know I'll get referrals Okay, where there are like nine to fivers in the room, specifically women and people of color. If I want consulting, that's more HR, DEI teams, ERG leaders, but literally it's, it's generally just like real corporate professionals. Mm-hmm. I think in this day and age, you have to tell the difference between a conference that is for entrepreneurs or for nine to fivers. I don't do well in the entrepreneur conferences when it comes to attracting to my business. I love it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's a lot of fun. But those audiences where people want to launch a business, those are not, that's for me because I feel like it, Mm -hmm. not because it's actually going to make me money. Yes, yes. Let's talk about that. It's so important to know who your client is because sometimes although it feels good and sometimes even though the conference looks shiny and you know all the cool people are there you might not actually walk away making no money (laughs) yes and that was a hard lesson for me because I felt like there were so many ones I was like oh my god like the FOMO was so real like I want to be on that stage but for people who really want to become entrepreneurs, they don't want to hire no one to talk about their nine to five. <laughs> they don't want to be there. <laughs> they don't. So I can go and talk about entrepreneurship. I can't because I'm an entrepreneur too, but they're not going to hire me for anything else because yeah. they don't want to be there. <laughs> I have to keep on telling myself that. Like, you don't need to, and I, that means I don't need to be there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so important to know. And it's so funny because, yeah, as I was thinking of having you on the show, I'm like, well, will people get what I'm trying to share? Because I just think that we all need to be strategic as we're navigating the, you know, nine to five space as well. And one of the things mm-hmm. that helped me in launching my own business is that strategy. And it's only in hindsight that I realized yes. I thought like that. Like I only wanted to be an individual contributor. I was laser focused on my life goal. Even though I was in the space, mm-hmm. I was showing up, definitely shining at work, being a star. But I knew where I wanted to go. So sometimes people even would ping me and say, hey, are you interested in that role? And I would say, no, because that role looks like too much work. <laughs> and I am trying to be my business and be out of here, you know? So it's important to know the difference. I think I struggle with that too. Sometimes reminding myself that like, I'm not a nine to fiver. I am an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. but I'm an entrepreneur who helps nine to fivers. And sometimes that intersectionality, it's always interesting for me, but I think there's a lot of Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. I'm in a lot of communities that do all B2B selling. Yes. Yes. So, and that makes it, it's just a little different. Like the conversation is just a little bit different when you're B2B versus B2C. Right. And the twofold thing I want to mention again too, just what I hope this episode will help with is, yes, there's the first part of it that 
even if you plan to or hope to leave one day, I want you to be smarter about how you navigate it. So you're still getting mm-hmm. the coins you deserve and all that stuff. But also, oh, if you have no interest in leaving whatsoever, then just make sure you're not getting stagnant in what's comfortable. Right. So I think Kimberly's book is a great place to start with that because it's real easy to kind of get discouraged by the job market sometimes. Or, you know, if you want to pivot into something completely different to feel like, oh, I'm too old to start over and all those kind of limiting beliefs. And that's absolutely not true. A hundred percent. So now let's get back into your entrepreneurship journey. And then I want you to give a few more tips to the audience. So one of the things you mentioned is falling victim to like the Instagram, what you should be doing. I saw this meme once recently, and I'm going to misquote it a little bit, but it basically was like what you want, what Instagram makes you think you want, right? It was like two different circles and every Mm -hmm. day. I keep that in mind because I swear every single time I sign on to Instagram these days, I'll be so happy. I feel like I go in there happy and then I'll see a post. It could be something like, okay, perfect example, right? We did family photos in 2021. Great, wonderful. But after that experience, I was like, you know what? I didn't enjoy this process. I didn't enjoy setting up the photo shoot, getting my makeup, like all of the woo-ha that goes into it. It was a lot, right? But mm-hmm. it's that time of the year. You start seeing the holiday photos. And again, I have to remind myself <laughs> what I want, what Instagram makes me think I want. All right. Two different things. Mm-hmm. Two different things. OK, don't get distracted. How, <laughs> yeah. In your experience, you know, what are some of those things that for you, you want, but Instagram makes you think you want something else? Oh my gosh. So Instagram, I think the hardest thing is Instagram makes me think I need to build a business doing strictly just B2C. Mm. Like I need to just always be like, I need to be coaching, whether it's individual group coaching, like I have to, when I actually pull my numbers, Mm -hmm. it is not worth my time. (laughs) If I'm very honest, it's not. And the sell is so much harder for me. I appreciate your honesty. (laughs) I do. I do. It is not. But I love it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like literally I sold a program in a Google document this year because I just had the urge to coach. I had the urge to have a community and do it not at a corporation where I have more rules and regulations. Like I wanted to do it for myself, for Manifest Yourself. So I literally, I didn't build out of fancies. I put it in a Google Doc. (laughs) Highly embarrassing. And I was like, like, y'all want to come get That's smart. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. But I had like 17 people sign up and it was really great. I had like a really good cohort of amazing, like my ideal audience. I did it at a price point that made sense for me, but wasn't like, wasn't my normal race. I just, it was really for me. So that's what I've decided works for me in that. Like, I don't need to run this program. I don't need to have this huge, whatever. I need to continue selling to corporations, continue focusing on the speaking Mm -hmm. and just keep my blinders on. I think also how being referral-based is absolutely fine, but it's learning how to market in a way that allows some of that. Like I've had some really phenomenal experiences, but I don't share. So I'm working on doing that so I can attract more. Like I just got back last week. I did a week with the U S embassy in Brazil and it was incredible, incredible. And I would love to do more work like that. But did I share? I showed, I shared in my stories a little bit. Like, oh my God, we're the same person. <laughs> Literally yesterday, I just did something and shared in my stories. And you know what happens? I bet you mean to share. Like you're like, okay, I shared in my story and I'll do a quick reel later. And it never happens. We got to get better about that. We got to get better. It does. Yeah. I'm like, part of me is also just, just learning to hire into in a reel. Literally just make a, what you consider a bad reel because watch that bad reel do numbers. And attract somebody like just literally the uglier, the, the better. uglier, the better. <laughs> I promise you. Oh my goodness. I thought I was doing good by making it a highlight. No, but no, I just... no. save yourself the trouble. Turn that story into a quick reel. And I'm speaking to myself. I'm going to do the same thing because you know yeah. what, Kimberly, the other day when I was booked for this opportunity, right? It was like this thing called a satellite media tour. And I remember the person saying, blah, blah, blah. And when I shared your reel with the client and I was stuck on that for a second, like, I don't have a reel. Like, what reel is she talking about? Then I was like, oh, my reels, <laughs> my reels on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. People are looking at your content and that's what they're going to use to show people like this is her. This is who we need. It is. I think the biggest lesson I've learned in entrepreneurship to date is... I have to listen to my own intuition. Mm -hmm. 
And it's okay to do it my way, despite what Instagram and everything else is saying. Because yes. I've literally lost thousands upon thousands, mm-hmm. probably, I know, at least five figures. Yeah five figures in following someone else's process because I thought they were supposed to do it. I thought I was supposed to do it that way. It should be this way. But then when I go back, I always end up coming back to me Mm -hmm. every single time. Mm -hmm. I come back to what I really wanted to Mm -hmm. do. And I'm the most successful when I lean into it, even if it's different. And I don't really feel like I belong. I feel like as an entrepreneur for a long time, I felt really sad because I feel like I didn't have like a crew. Mm. Like we could be. I, I was just like thinking, like we need folks. to just do a check in. Like you guys, this yeah. is an interview, but it's also just me and Kimberly having a call. <laughs> we need to do <laughs> a check much. in at least quarterly. <laughs> yeah. At least quarterly, because I yeah. can totally relate. You know. But sorry, you were saying yeah. um, you felt like you didn't have no, a crew. No, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm happy that you identify with that. I think that I felt like I didn't have a crew. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people weren't speaking in the way that I was or, okay, now they didn't have a book. But like, I'm not a New York Times bestseller. I'm just like a regular bestseller. Yeah. It's like, oh, but I don't have like a B2C, but I'm really B2B. So I've always felt like this flux and I just had to get really comfortable. And like, you know what? My name is Kimberly Brown. This is how my business runs. Yes. It's not like this person. It's not like this person. Right. But you know what? It's okay. Right. And I pay my bills. Right. And I was able to still pay the bills of my 11% rent increase over here in Jersey. So I'm <laughs> doing just so fine oh my and God. it is okay. Is that time? And it is okay. okay. So a couple of things I want to call out that you said, and I totally relate. And I mean that wholeheartedly that we're going to do our check-ins mm-hmm. because it's so necessary. I find that I did the best work when I had a mastermind, you know, and it was informal. It wasn't like yes. one of those big ticket things you pay for. It was just the homies that were also mm-hmm. interested and, you know, it fizzled out after a while. But um having people to bounce ideas off is so important, but also staying in your lane. So you mentioned that you love speaking. You do that. Like that is one of your sweet spots. And I've tried to get into that, right? Because people want me to speak. I'm talking about like going to a speaking engagement, not like a satellite media tour, which anyone listening want me to do with SMT. I'm here, right? Because you go, you do bang it out in a few hours. I have tried to do the speaking engagement circuit thing. And I, it's just not something I love doing. Like, and it's not even about the money. Like I have to really really love an organization and everything has to be right for me to want to speak somewhere. Whereas you love that. So if I was to say, hey, that's working for Kimberly, I need to just do that. 2024, I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. That's not going to work for me because in my heart, every time it's time to travel, I'm going to be annoyed. (laughs) I'm going to be like running ragged, you know, trying to get my kids to the childcare and all this different stuff. So it really is important to know what worked for you and put those blinders on. Yes. So now, Kimberly, I'd love to get into a little bit more about finances. That first year, you know, a lot of people lose money in their first few years of business, making mistakes, figuring things out. What has been your experience? You know, are you profitable? Have you just broken even? What's it been for you? So again, I'm going to say I'm crazy. Um, So 2021 was a really interesting year for me, both personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. I think I was so afraid. So I left my job in May, 2021. My book dropped in June, 2021. And personally, that was like the downfall of my marriage during that time. Mm -hmm. I'm currently divorced now. So I was like so afraid of like, oh my gosh, like I have to be able to pay my bills make this money, do the things. And then going through divorce, I was like, I have to be able to support myself because like being married and having a spouse who has a full-time job, it's like, okay, like I know my business has to do well. Like, cause we are definitely, we were a two income household, definitely a two income household, but at least I was like, all right, we could float for like a second if I had a bad month. But knowing that like by the end of 2021, my ex and I fully separated and we're on our way to divorce. So I was crazy. Like I literally didn't know how much money I made until- like December, I remember talking to one of my coaches and talking to my accountant and I looked at my account and I had an astronomical amount of money in my checking account. Wait, what do you and mean you didn't like, know how much money you made? <laughs> I was just sending invoices and working. I was oh. just working. I took every engagement, yeah. every consulting thing. I would just send the invoice and go, mm-hmm. send the invoice and go. So if you had asked me what my numbers were, I wouldn't know. Really? I think I almost four times my revenue mm-hmm. my first year out of business. Nice. So I went right past like hitting my first six figures, like and hit multi-six my first year. And I was like, oh, 
but I didn't know until like December. I remember looking at my account and my coach was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) You're going to get slammed in taxes. We need to put this here. I've never heard this. Like, this is not a common refrain over here. Like most... I'm like, what do you mean? I'm still trying to fit. So you never logged in not one time. You didn't say, hey. And yeah, I am always thinking about taxes too. Like you you didn't say, oh, let me log in. So I know, you know, what the tax man is coming for. No. No, I was just working. I took on as many clients as possible. Um, I love speaking and I love media and press. Mm -hmm. I had a publicist who had me on like multiple markets a day through like that entire summer. And I was sad just going through like the downfall of my marriage. I wasn't paying no mind. I was like, I'm just going to work. I am going to work. And when things calmed down around like December, like mid-December, I remember logging in and, oh, I got cursed out. (laughs) (laughs) I got cursed out. (laughs) It was exciting. It's a good problem to have. But I just went crazy. Now I'm really working on finding a little bit more balance because working at that level isn't necessarily sustainable. Um, I don't want to be working like that. Just so to make sure I understand. So this was when you had already left your corporate job, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you weren't looking in your account, just how were you going about balancing like what you were taking from the business to pay your bills and that sort of thing? I kind of took my money out like quarterly, like, okay, this is going to work for the next three to four okay. months, the next three to four months. And I knew because I was sending invoices, I had it. Mm-hmm. And I knew like, okay, like I just booked like another 20K speaking engagement. So like, that's going to cover this part. So I knew like I have it, but I never looked like in, it was very much singular focus. Like I knew I sent this invoice out for this amount of money. So I know I'm okay. okay, but I never really looked in and I knew about, okay, it takes this much money to run my business. And I sent this other invoice, so it's okay. But I didn't look at it. I'm much better now. This is terrible, Mm -hmm. highly embarrassing. I'm telling you this, that I just, (laughs) I was just out here on a wish and a prayer. (laughs) I'm the type that I'm like, oh, this invoice has not been paid yet. Hello. (laughs) Like, I don't even have anyone handle that yet. I'm just like, hey, where's my money? (laughs) Yeah, I just wasn't, at that time, I was just so focused on like, let me just do really great work. Mm -hmm. Let me do really great work. Um, I had auto reminders set up for invoices so I didn't have to do any follow-up. And I think I also have really great clients where most of the time it's very rare where folks are paying late or not hitting it on time. So I was okay. Mm. I was okay. Now I am much better. I have a much better, I have a good accounting team. I look at my numbers at a regular basis. I'm not just out here on a wish and a prayer method. I have a strategy depending upon when people pay, all the things. Back then though, I was just like, can I just pay my rent and make sure that I'm okay and I don't have to like move back to Connecticut with my parents. And yeah, I mean, it's understandable with all that you had going on. So it's just, I hadn't heard that before. So I just needed to clarify just a tad bit. (laughs) No, no, no. I appreciate it. Like my coach too, he was so mad. He's like, you you mean you don't look? And I was like, no, I kind of send the invoice. I'm like, thank you. And just go about my business. Before we jump into the lightning round, are there any like key nuggets or maybe like a five step that you normally give to people so they can get their ducks in a row to start thinking about, you know, make it their next move, their best move? So I think number one, go for what you really want versus what you think you can have. Mm. What you really want, not what Instagram says that you should want, not what your your spouse or your partner, like what you really and truly want. The thing that you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't stop thinking about, go for that thing. Don't find the plan B or C. Go for the really big thing. Number two, like make your plan and write it down however you like to do it. I like to do vision boards. Um, And it's funny now looking back at my vision board, I see things that I didn't make like a tangible plan for, but things that manifested. So I like to have a visual representation of it. For me, that's the vision board. And I make one every like one to two years. And then I have like a day-to-day actual, like you are working on this, you are working on this, you are working on this. Mm If you come to my house, I write on my windows. I have dry erase boards. I have the big post-it notes where I write like, You'll know all my business if you walk in my house. I make my goals very, very clear. Love it. You know what I'm working yes. on and what's happening. Yes. And see, surround, find your people, like find people to support you. I think I've definitely felt like a lone ranger many times from a community standpoint. But when I don't have what I feel like a traditional community, I will pay for a community. So I've had phenomenal business coaches. I've been in really great training programs and made sure that I had folks who were vested in my success yes. and holding me accountable. Because when you're kind of trying to make your next move, whether it's in your career or in your business, 
it's a lot of grinding and it is hard. You need community. Yes. And then I think like final bonus, I'd say make room for fun uh, and joy, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, like whatever it is, like don't let go of like the life stuff. Don't let go of like friends. Don't let go of like finding love or being with your partner or having babies, like whatever the thing is that you feel is going to bring joy into your life. Don't let go of that. Cause I also see a lot of times for myself and for other folks, I feel like we let go of like the other life goal right. part in place of like the business and career, but then you end up tired, burned out and hating everybody. (laughs) So you have to make sure you still have that joy part too. Yes, yes. And you remind me, at least two things that I take away as I'm speaking to you is, and you didn't outright say this, but I know some of this has to come into play. It's especially with the word manifest. Often when you hear the word manifest, it's in relation to people talking about manifestations and affirmations. And I know in this process, there is a kind of mental map and manifestation you have to have. So yes, to writing it down, because that absolutely is necessary. But also you have to believe and talk to yourself in a way where you are your biggest supporter and encourager. Like yesterday, for example, you know, like I said, I was at this satellite media tour and different things would happen that would cause me to have a moment of doubt. The refrain that I had repeated in my head is, you got this, you're a star, you're going to kill it. Like, and with those three Mm -hmm. things going on and on and on, that helps me to keep going. And I'm sure when you get on stage, if you have a moment of nervousness, I'm sure you're like, you got this, this is my wheelhouse, this is your wheelhouse, Kimberly, like you got this, you're about to rock it. Like, I'm sure some of that comes into play, right? Oh, all the time. And I think also, which probably is like slightly toxic, but it's my truth. I'll tell you, (laughs) it's like, I don't want to mess up on stage. I don't. I don't want to embarrass myself. I was on the Tamron Hall show last year in February, and it was my first time, not my first time on live television, Mm -hmm. but it was my first time with like syndication at that level. It was like mass scale, probably one of the largest audiences I've ever been in front Mm -hmm. of. And I remember I had a moment right before it went live where I felt like I couldn't breathe. (gasps) Like I started to panic. And I was like, am I going to have a picnic <laughs> on the Tamron Hall show? <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm going to be like a national, <laughs> national mistake. <laughs> oh my goodness. And things like that. Yeah. Sometimes like that's why I'm a little harsh. Like Kimberly, get your mess together. <laughs> you want to mess up and pass out on the Tamron Hall show? This is live television, girl. Get it together. Like when I was in Brazil, yeah. I was so scared. I was like, do you want to be an international mess up? No. So let's get Whatever it together. Works. Whatever so, works, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. So I do the nice stuff. I do the nice. Mm. I have the affirmations. Like I have one right in front of me right Right. now. Like I will not play small to be fake hungable because the vision for my life is not small. I will spend my energy being courageous versus fearless. Mm. Like I have all these things all around. I will do that. But if that moment comes and my mind is still playing games, get it together. Do whatever it takes. Like we don't have time for that. All right, let's go. (laughs) Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. I will nap it in the bud real quick. I hear that. I hear that. All right, so now let's jump into the quick lightning round. You know the deal. You've heard us answer the first thing that comes to mind. All right, so first things first, what is a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I love the Profit First Method. Mm. All right. Absolutely love it for accounting. The book is great. It's something that you can do by yourself um, and it could really change like your cash flow. Absolutely love that. All right. Number two, who is a non-celebrity Black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? There's so many. (laughs) But you know what? Dresha Hawk is a friend of mine. Yes. And... I love her so much. I've coached with her. She's also a friend. I would love to switch places to have her like ops brain Ah, for a day. Yes, yes. How she solves problems. Mm -hmm. I refer so much business to her. Anyone in my network who needs a business coach, Jay is normally my first person um, because I think as you're growing and scaling, ops is so important. Mm -hmm. I would just love to have her brain for a day. Yes. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your morning routine or just your overall daily routine? Right now, matcha. Hmm. I'm trying to let go of caffeine Mm -hmm. um, and let go of coffee. And I think sometimes when we want to let go of one habit, we don't think about replacing it with something else. We just want to go cold turkey. Mm -hmm. And I give myself the moment every morning to wake up, get out of bed, put my robe on. I bought the robe from Nazook at that retreat where we met because I loved it so much. Yeah. So I put put on my Nazook robe so I feel nice and fancy. I go make my matcha. It's a whole little process. I take my vitamins. I just take a moment. That's how I start my day to just be calm. 
that calm moment. You're so right about that. I love it. All right. What is a personal trait that you think has significantly helped you in business? My resilience. Mm -hmm. I think that I have a personal story that I'm not really good at sharing Mm -hmm. a lot, but I think I've had a lot of personal hardships and experiences that have made me extremely resilient. Mm -hmm. And I really believe, I think I've seen it on Instagram too, where it's like, you have made it through a hundred percent of your bad Mm -hmm. days. Like you are capable. And I always remind myself of that. Like I've been through some pretty crazy, not so good things. And I'm still here. I'm still okay. I'm still successful. And I'm really proud of that. I think my resilience has allowed me, I may have my moments where I'm like, Kimberly, this don't look too good, (laughs) but I know I can figure it out. Yes. That figure it out thing. What is Marie Forleo's book? Everything is figure outable. That phrase too helps me through tough moments. Yes. And then finally, what's your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss or people in the corporate world who want to just thrive, make a change, but they're worried about these limiting beliefs that they have in their head, whether that's losing a steady paycheck, upsetting their boss, what have you. Got it. So I think the way I say this most of the time, like nine times out of 10, because it's applicable when everyone asks for my parting advice. And it's always the manifest yourself manifesto, which is you must believe in yourself and your vision. When you do this, you will manifest the life you desire. And I say that because for all the things that you want, whether you're a nine to five, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a side hustler, whether you want to continue to be a side hustler or go full time, you have to believe in whatever your vision is, which means you need to create it. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in your vision. You have to believe that you are the person to bring your vision to life. And then that allows you to take inspired action every single day to actually manifest Mm -hmm. that. When I think about manifestation, it's a very active process for me. We can put it on the board and do the thing, but we have to take the actions every single day. Mm -hmm. But none of that happens. Like you can't take the action and not believe that it's you who can do it. It has to come from there first. So I think whatever it is, like let's get clear in your vision Mm -hmm. and it can happen. I love that. And one thing I've heard you say also is, Manifest is a verb. So often we hear people say manifestation and they focus on like, oh, I'm just going to write it down. I'm going to just meditate and just bring it all down. (laughs) Bring all that. We're doing the same motion. We're like, yes, this is manifestation. Uh, It's the rock. No, no, no. Uh, Because I've actually started doing more of an actual manifestation process lately. And no, I don't know how much I'll share because people think it's woo woo, but it's actually a verb. It helps me to focus my actions by remembering and focusing on what I want and then what I need to do to bring that to be. So thank you for reminding us that and all that you share. Everyone go out and grab Kimberly's book. Tell us where we can get the book and where we can stay in touch with you after this episode. You can get the book wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, et cetera. Next move, best move, transitioning into a career you'll love. Applicable, honestly, for nine to fivers and entrepreneurs, because as entrepreneurs who are growing your businesses, you need to also make sure you're doing a lot of these things for your team as you're growing. Um, and you can find me everywhere, uh, KimberlyBeOnline.com and then KimberlyBeOnline on all of the socials. All right, guys. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.